Hey y'all, how y'all doing? Another wonderful episode of Look at God podcast. So my brother, right? He's 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 definitely he's here. The, the boy Gump. Yo. And, and, and my sister, the girl B. She she's here. What's up, guys? So and of course we got Jarvis. Hell yeah! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm talking about tuning in to another episode of Look at God podcast. We're about to do the damn thing. Go ahead, go ahead, So, so over before we recorded, man, uh, Derek told a story, and it made me think about a great icebreaker, and it really hit. It's really near and dear to my heart, which all my icebreakers are. Uh, sure. What? What's the brokest thing you ever done? Like, what is the? What is something that you've done for money that you'd be like, dang, that was stupid? Or something that you've done, you'd be like, man, that's really broke activity. I'll go back to mine. Because <laughs> mine popped up in my head as Derek was telling his story. And it was, man, I remember, it was, of course, before the relationship that I'm in right now. But uh, I was dating this girl, and she was blowing my money. Like, I'm blowing a whole check on her. Like, legit, I'm buying her food every night. I'm driving her around, like, Come everywhere on, she want to go. And I'm yeah. broke. Come on. I'm broke, and I'm just trying to ball for her, boy. <laughs> So I had to put gas in my car because I'm blowing my check on her. So I'm like, yo, I'm blowing my check every week. And you know, it paying off. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? But uh even though it's paying <laughs> off, I'm still in a space where like I'm yo, how am I gonna get gas? Like, and when I do go low on money, like it ain't no earning apps or Dave apps at this time. So I couldn't like just go borrow some money. So you know what I was doing? I was out here donating my plasma for fifty dollars every like I'm donating my plasma weekly for that fifty. Well, hey. so, and I'm scared of needles. So that's why that's why I'm shook about it. It's like, bro, you know how broke you gotta be to be scared of needles. And still go donate plasma. Just maybe. title and then they want like triple the money back yeah. so it is such a bad deal it sounds like a, a good solution to a problem but um yeah i wasn't working for i guess you got that story just a little bit so i was working at a place and like i started working at a place in like april this place was just tough it was rough they weren't paying you on time you know uh friday would come for you to get your check you know freaking accounting office closed like how y'all close on the day we're supposed to get paid <laughs> they go ghost for like two three days and yet they still want you to work and i'm like nah this don't make no sense so i dealt with that for like three months and i was like all right effort so i leave them and i go to another place the next place i'm at everything's going good the month following after that good month of me being at that place the people that i had just left bought the new place out so I said, I'm not, I'm not about to stay for this. I know, I know how y'all get down. I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> so in the midst, so much other things going on in the life, um, relationship having issues, this, that, and the third. Um, so I leave and go to another place. Everything was good. 
Um, but my school schedule became a problem. So two weeks in, I'm not. So literally, I mean, you're a dad, you got rent to pay, you got all sorts of stuff. And I'm looking at this thing like, oh, this is not getting any better. Like it's, so I panicked after like about a month, a month and a half of like, all right, look, you about to get kicked out. I was like, I got to do something. Once again, I'm the man of the house. So look, you can't, look, figure a way. So I pawned the title of that car. I pawned the title of that car. So look, I felt, I felt like King Kong. How much you got for it? Uh, I think like, give me like three grand. Three grand? Yeah. So, you want to go do that you to your Oh, my fuck. <laughs> you said three grand. I know how to have I'm about three grand. <laughs> well, he said you got to triple it to get it back. Yeah. So, that's, you got to pay him nine bands to get your title back. That was not pretty. That was not pretty. <laughs> so, it was a, such a bad deal. That's why that one's always left a nasty taste in my mouth. So, yeah, I found the title for like King Kong for every bit of two months. And I realized, oh, listen, uh, yeah. Y'all, how much y'all want every week to pay this thing back? How much does that add up to? And then, yeah. Did it, you ever get the title back? I did. I definitely did. But it was a fight. It was a fight. But really? I did. I yeah, definitely I did. Lie to you, boy. They yeah. Get yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, one, of the, one of the many stupid things I've done for money. Oh, my gosh. Um, I have. I, well, I, I'm going to tell you when I was at my brokest. A couple people, I'm going to say the story. They know who they are. <laughs> And I'm not going to put their names up. I'm going to put my side of the story. <laughs> so me and my homeboys, you guys may know them, but I don't know who y'all think y'all know. <laughs> <laughs> so we used to actually scrounge up like uh, $2. This is when Taco Bell used to have that $2 uh, deal mm-hmm. where you get, I think it's a taco, a drink, and a bag of chips. For the two. For $2. And when I say we used to split that junk up between us for $2 worth of food, that junk was crazy, crazy. <laughs> I let them boys till the day I die for that. Like, oh my goodness. We used to, I used to be like, bro, I got 75 cents, boy. Like, oh, snap. We're almost there. <laughs> we used to be hungry. There was times we was just hungry as kids. Bro. It was crazy. That was like the, I would say, when I was at my worst, yeah, yeah. wow, I will never be there again. God, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, hit my, yeah. you hit my heart, yeah, God, you hit my heart. That's I don't want to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Wherever you need me to, <laughs> <laughs> I'll never, take me there. I'll never be there again, too, boy, because I can sell my title now. Thank you, Derek. <laughs> Thank you, Derek. <laughs> what's your broke activity my sister dang i feel like i never had that you never had a broke one come on man lady i know you ate vienna sausages someday come on man spam sandwiches hey listen fried bologna come on now i used to make a mean uh um uh, sugar sandwich. Yeah, oh, sugar sandwich. Come on now, put some, I put can't. some sugar and some yeah. cinnamon. Water cereal. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, you did yeah, water I cereal did. before. You from Melrose? Cause. Maloney is y'all best friend. Almost it. Homer crab cheese. Oh boy. Um, I have made a sandwich. I got you. Yeah, How you do that? You yeah. get the cheese and then you put the ketchup and then you put cheese on top and you just ate it. That's not even a sandwich. <laughs> 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 
just gets flat. Yeah. Tastes good. Yeah. I won't do it now, though. Okay. I'm about to say. Because it tastes good. I'm that's the poorest thing I've ever heard, bro. That's that, that poor without two, uh, the R and the O. That's just O. <laughs> <laughs> oh, inspired, oh, my God. Inspired. I ain't going to lie, but I still make a serious sound. Matter of fact, I'm not going to You so stupid. <laughs> I'm so stupid. Yeah, no, Old faithful. <laughs> I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> So when you broke, you, you start eating things that you're not even like. You don't even really like like that. Like I don't think any human being really likes ramen noodles, but it's the cheapest thing, man. And then even with bread, bread is terrible for you. It but is very much. So. Or bread, is bread is delicious. Or bread, bread is cheap. Bread is cheap. Oh boy, that's it's my terrible for you. Yeah, bread is definitely yeah. bread is the government true. got something planned, man. Why is the thing that's so bad for you the cheapest? You never think about that? Uh, no, I no, I like I bread. I really don't care. <laughs> 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 oh man, so we're gonna dive into a topic, man. We, see, good thing we were laughing because now we're about to get serious. So we're gonna talk about trauma today. Oh boy, look! Explain, explain the broke icebreaker. Look, I know, right? <laughs> That's part of the trauma. <laughs> yeah, bro. yeah, I don't want to go back. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And I, I want you guys to feel comfortable. Get comfortable, man. But uh. So, have you ever dealt with a traumatic experience, and how does that traumatic experience still affect you today? So, have you ever dealt with a traumatic experience, and how does that traumatic experience still affect you today? Hmm. I don't want to go first. I'll go first. I'll go first. Because I had already thought about this. And and I'm going to get vulnerable. I'm going to set the tone of vulnerability, man, and transparency. And I'm talking about, hey. These topics killing me. (laughs) (laughs) So, for me, for me, uh, so, as a kid, I had to be about eight years old. And my mom, like, my parents are the type of parents that, like, I know, like, I don't know if it's a public thing in the Haitian community, but in the Black American community, we do. Why did you say it like that? Uh, I don't know. I thought that's how y'all said it. Black American. Black American. Black American. Black American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the community, like it's it's big on like family friends letting you sleep over and stuff like that. That their houses and like I remember our, I had to sleep over at a family friend's house for like. A couple of days because my mom was in the hospital getting ready to have my uh, my younger sister. So when she was in the process, it was like they had she had the lady had three sons and they were all cool. We always played games, but it was the older son who was always a little weird, right? Always a little weird, and I always knew like man, kind of weird. But I never really kind of like hung out with him. I just was hanging out with his younger brothers, and then it got really funny where he like ended up touching on me one time. And when he touched on me, it was like my reaction I didn't like. So when he started to touch on me, it was like almost like it almost seemed like, oh, wow, this is different. And it was like almost like it was cool. So then me thinking as a kid, like, oh, this is cool. I kind of took that and I was like, oh, this is cool. And I'm just going to do it to other kids. And it just became a thing. Mm. So as it became a thing, it was like just touching and playing and doing all these games. And like I remember 
as I got older, I realized, yo, this this ain't right. And I never told anybody, like told an adult, but it was like, dang, this this ain't right. So then I think when I realized that it wasn't right, it was right, right around the time that like I got introduced to pornography. So I was like, yo, I can't do that. That's disgusting. But I'm gonna do this. So it kind of like flipped over to, yo, I'm just gonna watch porn right now. So this is how I'm gonna feel this sexual desire that I had. So then as I look at that and I look at my present life and how that experience shaped me, is it's how I look at sex as something so simple. You know, and I think even at a time period, I was like, yo, why 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 would not punch it through in the face? Like, why was I not mad about it? I must be a punk. Like that's how I express like that's what I thought. So for a long time, it was like, yo, I got to show that I'm hard. I show y'all I'm tough all the time. And it wouldn't turn off. So I think like the toxic behavior and all that stuff was all rooted in this one traumatic experience. Yeah. Wow. I told, told y'all I was going to set the tone for vulnerability. You wow. really did. Thank wow. you. I, tell that you I never even told my mom that story. Hopefully wow. she didn't lose it. Dang, my G. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that's, 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 that's a lot, bro. That's a yeah. lot. Um, well, I guess I gotta follow up with that, right? I got, um, man, um, the most traumatic thing that I think that I've ever been uh, or I've ever experienced was a lot of you guys don't know this, but I have an older sister. Mm -hmm. Um, she's eleven years older than me, and I don't like talking about her. Um. Because I guess she she holds this special part of my heart. Um, when I was eleven years old, uh, my sister wasn't staying with uh, with uh, me and my mom at the time. And um, I guess I don't necessarily know exactly what happened, but between that period, um, she used to come to the house and she used to leave, whatever the case may be, and like probably like see me like once a day. Um, and there was, I think it went like two weeks I didn't see her. And I was just like, okay, like, where is she? Around this time, I'm old, so ain't no cell phones like that, really. Like, um, so um, it had to be probably around 11 o'clock at night, probably 11, 12. And um, there's a knock on the door. My mom goes outside. I hear yelling, screaming, and... Um, I wake up and I go outside and um, I walk outside and I see my sister. Yeah. But like this police cars, everything around there. And uh, um, I walk up to her. Uh, my mom's crying. I don't know what's going on. I was like, my sister's here. Like, I, don't, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. So I walk up to my sister and uh, my sister says, I don't know you. Um, and um, I was like, what? What do you mean? Like it's me, your brother. Like what do you mean you don't know me? She was like, I do. I do not know who you are. And um, since that day, um, it's like I lost my sister. Uh, she's been diagnosed with schizophrenia, um, and she's never been the same since. And I think that, and my sister was, I would say, the person who raised me as a child. Um, she is, uh, while my mom was working, um, all the time, she was there to take me to school, pick me up, like legit, that was like my mom. And there was a season in time in which, 
even for myself, I didn't know how to deal with it. And I remember writing a poem when I was like really young, I was probably like 12, 13, of how um, my sister's dead, but she's still here. Mm. Um, and like, I treated her that way too. Like it was like somebody knew. I don't necessarily know how to uh, speak to you, how to communicate with you. You don't know how to communicate with me. And like through majority of my adolescent years, like it was almost as if like she was an embarrassment. Like I wouldn't, um, like we all went to this, as a family, I grew up in the church and like everybody knew her, but like, and it's so dumb thinking about it now. Like I would separate myself. Like I wouldn't be by my mom and my like, I would just be doing my own thing. And like when it's time to go home, like I'll find a way to get home instead of like getting it. Like it's so dumb. Um, and um, yeah, I think that time was the most traumatic thing I've experienced within my life. Man, I knew this was gonna be a touchy subject, boy. Um, Derek, Brenda, me. Okay. Um, first, thanks for sharing, Greg. Um, there's there's a lot of trauma. I have a lot of trauma growing up, so I can't even fully narrow it down. Um exposed to molestation at a young age. Um, let's see, abuse. I think um, one thing that's very traumatic for me growing up was how my mother was growing up. I just didn't think, I used to, I used to hate my parents. So I didn't think my mom was a real mom because she didn't choose me and my sister growing up. It was always, we're not going to talk about it, or it was just all a blur. So growing up, my parents will argue about everything, and everything always led to a fight, and it would always lead to a physical fight in behind closed door, and then eventually it became in front of us. So like my dad will fight my mom, beat her up, and then eventually she given and she starts fighting him and she starts beating him up and it was always a back and forth and I just I've always seen her as someone who did not choose me and my sisters like she just stayed she was stuck she got us in a place and I spoke to you about it before Jarvis how the men in our family we don't feel 100% safe around them so it's like, even till today, like if a man come over and I knew them for a long period of time, I move differently. I They may have known me since I was a baby. I move differently because the story I hear about this one raping my cousins or this one trying to rape my big sister, I always move differently. So I always had like a resentment towards that because the trauma built up so much that we I was never felt chosen. And because I never felt chosen, I moved differently. Like, we told her these things. We were never heard. So to be at the age of five 
telling your mom something and she just, we're still exposed around this one individual. It was as if everything was okay. So I can't really give like a significant one, but every single trauma, we weren't chosen for sure. For sure. Well, how about the Yankees? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how about the Yankees? Thank you for sharing, Brittany. Um, mine's actually um, similar notion to you, Jarb. Um, very young age. Um, caught myself with a group of friends doing dumb things. We thought it was a good idea, or maybe it was they. I really don't remember all that clearly, but three boys, very curious, very young, and we did things to each other. What that caused, leaving that situation, um, back to what you're saying, just becoming hyperly sexualized. Mm -hmm. I remember after the, those chain of events happened, you know, there was like big family meeting, you know, like what the heck, how did this happen? What are we gonna do next? I get put in this dang daycare, this Haitian daycare. These Haitians would come and pick me up from the school in this white van and we would go be watched by them, I guess, as a way to prevent, you know, young kids and curiosity from going wild. And I happened to be in this thing, daycare with this one girl who, once again, hyperly sexualized. She would want to kiss. She would, I mean, I can't be no more than like six years old. And she's just active. I don't know what she was witnessing at her house with her cousins, her other friends, but she was, and I don't, It just got disgusting. Uh, from there, exposure to porn um, got to a space where I just felt like I had to, I guess, prove my masculinity mm -hmm. um, because of the first chain of events. And like, you know how people like binge Netflix, dude, I used to like literally binge porn. I used to binge porn. So that um, made it when I actually did become start becoming physical um, it wasn't about the person. The person didn't exist. I was just living out a fantasy that I had already painted in my head for so many years. Um, and, you know, I think even as you go through these traumatic experiences, there's a little boy, a little girl inside of you screaming for help. Like you can hear the voice, but you don't know what to do. And I would remember like the young girl would say like, why do you watch so much porn? Like, like, you know, I was coming, we we're about to do to do, but yet you were watching porn before I got here. Like, I'm gonna get it. We would do, and I'll go back to watching porn. And it's like, am I not enough? Like, completely disconnected. So, from being disconnected with her, found myself with multiple women, it just became just a, a rabbit hole of trying to prove to myself that what happened originally didn't define me. It wasn't me. Whatever exchange I had with my friends is not who I am. And I'm going to continue to prove to myself that it's not who I am. And it just it just went on and went on. Broken hearts, broken relationships, fights, screams, uh, 
a child was born within all this madness and it, it just didn't stop. It didn't stop. So, yeah. So, you know, thank you guys all for sharing, man. Because like I said, man, I, I it was a rough topic for me to even explore within itself. Um, and I want to really talk about the residue of that trauma, what certain things that came out of not, us not addressing that trauma. And I know for me, so when I talk about my situation, remember I said my mom was in the hospital having my sister at the time. For the longest, I hated my sister. Like from since she was a baby, I hated her. And like, I didn't know why. And she'll tell you right now, like, I couldn't stand her. Like, everything she did annoyed me. I never wanted anything to do with her. Like, with my older sisters, like, I claimed them. It was almost like I had, I, even when I talk today, I only talk about experiences with my older sisters. Just because I never really had a relationship with my younger sister because I hated her because of that situation that had nothing to do with her. He just happened to be born <laughs> during that time period. So it was just a, a hate that I had for her. And it was also... It was also like a hate that I had for myself, you know, and like I just hated my reaction to it for a long time. And it was hard for myself to it's still hard for me to give myself grace because it's like, yo, you were such a trash individual. And, you know, it's like the cycle. So when you think about like cats like R. Kelly, where they say, oh, yo, he was molested as a mm -hmm. child. And then you look at all the things that he's done in his adult life. It's like. Dang, he never handled that situation. So now it pours into his adult life yeah. since he never addressed the trauma that he he had in the past. Uh, what are some things that came out of you guys not addressing that trauma? Mm -hmm. I guess consider the fact that I just went last. Um, as I expressed, it just it's hyper it hyper sexualized my experience in, in order to prove myself. And like you said, like I really just, I was very disgusted with, with, with that, with that kid, that, 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 that me, like you would ask yourself question, like, how could you be so stupid? How could you, you know, what were you thinking? You know, like almost like I had an expectation of myself that really shouldn't have been there. I mean, you're young, you're innocent, you're, you're very, you know, like, Hey, when you think of like even kids being kidnapped or, you know, put in bad situations, like literally, yo, you want some candy and like, you're gone. <laughs> so it, it, it just, in, in, in order to, so obviously there, there's the experience in which you try to suppress it. That almost like as if it doesn't exist, even though, you know, it did. And then you just kind of sort of try to build a new identity on top of it, you know, to, to try to let yourself know, yeah, this is this is why that's not true because of this. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it 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 it. Um, you, you would I would I would just I would just be very physically active, like very like like you know the whole reference of humping like you know rabbits like it was it was it was just my way of of coping to try to prove to try to feel, to try to um, see how deep I can dig those thoughts, those memories as far back as possible. So, 
for not not for so for, for not addressing it, for not sitting in it. I mean, now you know, thank Jesus, I don't. <laughs> you know, this is something I deal with now. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not binging. I don't remember last time I watched porn. Not to say that if you're dealing with that, that you know, you're any better, you're any worse than I am. But it's just not something in which I deal with now. But for not addressing it for so long, yeah, I, brother was just out here reacting, reacting to those bones. Um, I guess with the whole situation uh, with my sister and my mom, um, I can say that um, what came out of that trauma was just isolation. Um, I don't mind being by myself. Like I said before, like my mom would always work. So now that my sister, like, I couldn't hold a conversation with her. So anything that I was dealing with as a child or how I felt, like it, I, it was never, I never got a chance to express it or like tell someone how I feel about it. So I just developed that. All right, bro. Like, you got it. And, um, it's still something that I do with today. Like I don't, I don't tell people stuff. Um, I don't mind not being hit up. Well, I care, but because I care, I act like I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like I just turn to this. I, it gets like to this place, like bro, like you've been through this before. You know how to deal with it. So, like I don't express um, feelings. Aren't something that I care to express and. Um, I guess, like, I found the magician's way to express how I feel without actually feeling. Mm. Like, I can tell you, like, well, like, you know, yeah, this hurt or stuff like that, but I don't feel it when I tell you. Mm. Like, I would feel it, like, by myself. Like, because that's when I feel like, well, nobody need, like, I can take care of this. Like, nobody else can take care of this but me. So I wouldn't, like, um, well, I wouldn't express like the true feeling for whatever I was going through. Just um, yeah, I think like this isolation. Just I, I just uh, what grew from that experience was just a very isolated my like me. Mm. Um, very t- similar to what uh, Greg said, isolation and not caring if people hit me up. But I think one of the things or two of the things that I feel like is resonating with me is I, after that whole trauma, all the traumas growing up, I seek attention and then I seek love. So because I didn't get it from home, I got it from all the exes that I have, all the individuals that were giving me attention at the time. So you gave me attention. You heard me. You you want to be in my presence, so I'm going to give you all my time and attention because I didn't get that at home. You know, after you expose and you tell the truth and you're telling people stuff, I didn't get that at home, so I went ahead and found it with um, men. It didn't matter if we were hanging out, chilling, or having sex, whatever the case may be, you giving me that attention at that time, it was worth it. Because I didn't get it growing up. I didn't get the love from my parents, 
growing up. I didn't get the protection. I feel like the ex that I had, I think I was with him for the longest because of the fact that he was so protective. And I felt safe with him. So that's one thing that I still struggle with till today. I still struggle with the idea of, I don't mind being alone, but I don't want to be alone. Don't call me, but I do want you to call me. Um, love me, but love me from a distance or just love me. It's just all over the place. I feel like I'm going back to a child to where I didn't, everything that I didn't get as a child is happening now where I didn't get my parents' love. They love me, of course, but the way the Haitians move is not the way that it wasn't, it wasn't a way that I should have been loved or the attention that I should have got or the protection that I should have got. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dang. You see, like, isolation and all of these things and how, like, uh, they have effect on, uh, you know, when it's personally isolation, fear, uh, not giving myself grace, uh, looking at our past and allowing it to weigh us down. Mm -hmm. uh, these are all things that Satan uses to kind of keep us in that that box, you know, to make us like not grow closer to God. Isolation. The Bible tells us it's not good for man to be alone. But still, when you go through these tra traumatic events, you feel like, yo, isolation is necessary. Uh so for you guys, man, what do you think, how do you think God can be in the traumas? How do you think he can use these traumas? I don't know why I'm thinking of the boat. Is that the boat? Yeah, like the strong waves. That's life. All the traumas that we've been through, that was, that was, um, that's the trauma, all those waves, everything. And Jesus is right there saying, come to me, come to me. Like coming to him means that you're, you're going for healing. Like you are, you see everything. Cause at the end of the day, these traumas are never going to go away. It's going to always be there. Those waves are going to always be there. But for you to like believe in him and just walk on the water to him is like a sign of healing. And it's kind of him showing you like, I see the waves. I've been here this whole time. I just need you to come to me. And I can heal you from this. I was there. That's like another way of saying I'm sorry as well. Sorry that she had to experience this. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like the enemy, you did mention it, like all the things that we do, he does isolate us because he's saying, well, he wasn't there. Because if he was there, this would have never happened. Or if you receive love, you would have never been molested or you would have seen someone get molested or you wouldn't feel uncomfortable around the men that you are around. Because I'm not fully comfortable with men completely. But I feel like there's, I got Jesus. If that makes sense. Yeah. I, for me, man, it's hard for me to to see like you know these traumatic experiences and look back at them, and you know even when you hear about the crazy things that happen today, it's hard because you don't want to like say like, oh no, God, God is uh, God, 
God is omnipotent. He sees all this and he's not in it. So for me, I know that developed a broken relationship with God at times because it was like, yo, why, why, if you've seen all this happening, why couldn't you stop it? What, what is the use for this? Now, now I'm saying like, why, why do people have to uh, go through these certain events? Why do these tragedies still happen? Why does uh, the black dude got to get shot by racist white people? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, what? where is God in this? And that that's always been my question mark. And then, you know, I'm able to kind of figure out and break it down for myself for each situation. But I I really struggle with, yo, where is God when all of this is happening? What, what, what is he thinking? What is he doing? Why are we suffering like this? Um... Well, let me let me go. I guess I guess it's a two parter. Yeah. Um, I would say that uh, what God has um, God has used my trauma um, in a way to actually make me want to build relationships with other people, or like I have a passion um, when people get close to me that I don't want them to ever feel. Um, basically like what I felt almost like in the sense of like when we get, when I get close to like people, I, I want not just friendship, I want family because my family, I, I feel as if like it's never been whole. Um, I feel like I try to reach out and grab onto those people who grabbed onto me first and make sure that those relationships like never um, separate or like never die um that's one and um i see it all now um through the eyes of christ that um you go through these things because the world is like finished um mm. the world isn't a great place anymore it's done it's ruined um the perfection that god had planned for it we ruined it so um i used to go through this phase in which I used to be like, God, why me? And uh, I guess with knowledge and um, understanding more of of God and his His grace, it's now I'm in a place of God, why us? Because I feel like all of our stories are different, but we still share hurt. Yeah. Or we still share like some pain. Um, it may be in different stories, but at the end of the day, we're all broken. And um, until he comes back to um, correct and uh, rid the earth of these uh, sins, um, we're always going to experience the brokenness of that relationship that we had from the Garden of Eden. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's tough to... Um, Except that, like, damn, well, God, like, why are you doing this? And it's it's all for his glory. It's all to let you see or understand that um, this is not how you wanted it for you. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, um, 
he's going to get the glory from it. You're going to see the reasons why behind it. Um, it you might not see it now. I remember me and Derek were having this conversation about, like, it's crazy how sometimes you, like, five years down the road, you'd be like, oh, that makes sense now. Like, you'd be like, bro, like, I'm so far away from this. Like, it's been five years since this happened, and then all of a sudden, a good thing happens, or God, yeah, God does this miracle in your life. You're like, bro, like, five years ago, I was doing this, 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 and it's so crazy, huh? So, it's it's crazy how God works, but, um, yeah, man, I think it's just the gospel. Seeing things with through the gospel lens is what um, gives me peace of my problems now. That's good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Man. That's good, man. I got a story. I heard this story on the radio, man. I was listening to uh, one of them Christian radio stations. Uh, don't know the, the radio station. You know, I'm not big into listening to Christian radio stations, man. I'd rather hit my uh, my Jeezy. But uh, oh, I was listening. <laughs> I was She's listening one radio. time. <laughs> and this girl, like she was telling a story and uh, she was telling the story about how like she was molested, and then she uh, she for years she didn't say anything about it, but it kept on like transpiring in her life where she would like have these emotions and she wouldn't know where they came from, and then she was finally able to open up to her parents one time. So she opened up to her parents and her brother, and every single person in the family expressed that the same thing had happened to them. But she said through her actually finally being to express that to them, they were able to build each other up because everyone who was dealing with it in a different aspect. But since they were able to express it with each other, they were able to build each other up. And it's like, man, even though, so you, oh, I thought about a song. So you took what the enemy meant for evil and you turned it for good. So you, when you think about it like that, it's like something that was evil, something that was dark, something that was so negative. God can take it and use it for something positive, use it to build you up, bring you closer to him. And I think within all these traumatic experiences, you understand like, yo, there's a need for God in this world. Like there's a need for God because this, even though this thing may not be created by God, these certain actions, it's like we, we understand that we need him because of these actions. We understand that, that they needed him. And I think that's the grace in it where, the people that may have hurt us, we got to look at it like, yo, they needed God because of this. This is what they were going through when everybody got a backstory. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's why I took them. Thanks, yeah. Well, okay. Thank y'all. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Lou. Uh, we can talk about this topic forever too much. We can. Too much. We can. Yeah. It's a lot of the unpack. How about we don't? That's <laughs> true. <laughs> but I thank you guys um, for tuning in. I thank you guys for sharing. Um, and I'm sure, um, as Jarvis was expressing, the people who will be listening to it will be will be enlightened. Will definitely uh, may the Holy Spirit do its work and and, and liberate those who think that they are alone. Um, or that they are defined by certain things. Um, but I thank you for tuning in to another episode. Uh, please like, subscribe, share. We'd love to hear your story um, if, if you'd like to share it with us. Um, and we look forward to seeing you guys on another episode. Yes. Stay blessed. Look at God. <laughs> <laughs>